Hey, let's open our Bibles, Titus chapter 2, please. Pick it up where we left off. We're, I'm really, really trying to finish up this series in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It, it's very hard because this is like the heart of, of the, the book. And uh, I, even looking at these last, the very last section of this section, uh, for me, it was like there was so much that was involved in it and so much that like was popping out. And even this morning, I'm going, oh, I got this idea and I want to like work with that. And I'm going, I could, I could fit that in and I could. But uh, what I decided to do was do that next week. So, uh, and I'll tell you what that is as we go along. But let's go ahead and read those verses again. We sang them earlier in the old King James Version. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, for the grace of God, it's all about the grace of God, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, eager to do what is good. So really, it's all about the grace of God in all these different sections. He brings salvation. He teaches us how to live. Grace teaches us how to live, what we need to say no to, what we need to say yes to. Grace is going to bring back our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back. There's a, our blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, who gave himself, Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us. He wasn't forced to do it. He, 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 they didn't take his life. He gave his life for us. And then we see the last two things in this verse 14. He, he gave himself for us to redeem us, and then to make us his very own. And that's what we looked at last week, to make us his very own. That was, that, that was his goal in giving his life for us. Number one, to redeem us, and then secondly, to make us his very own. That he wants you. He desires you. He wants to have a relationship with you and with me. That's what his whole purpose was, and he knew it from the very beginning. It was his goal that's always been his goal that we would belong, that we would belong to him, that we would be his, and that he would be ours. And, and, and that is so exciting to me. That is so awesome to me that God wants to have this relationship with me, that, that I'm his and he's mine. And there's nothing like it in all of life. He made it possible by giving himself, by his sacrifice, by giving his life that we would be that special treasure, that special treasure. I was uh, thinking uh, the other day, I think probably Sunday afterward, when I was thinking about how God has made us his very own. And, and one of the verses that, that uh, in Proverbs chapter uh, 24, I believe it is, uh, saying that, you know, God has, you know, he, he wants to build his house. And, but, it, but what struck me, and it, it's always kind of for me been about our fellowship, that, that its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And that that's what you are. That's what we are. These rare and beautiful treasures that God has called us his own, that he's, that he's put us together and, and uh, we belong with each other and, and we belong to him. So following on from that, you know, there's responsibility and it goes two ways. Uh, you know, that, that God takes care of his own. He's going to take care of you. If you are one of his, he will take care of you. But secondly, there's a responsibility on our part as well that, that we are not our own. We are bought at a price, a very steep price, and that we should honor God with our body, that we should honor him with our lives. And that's kind of where we're going in the, this last section that we're looking at today which is the last part of verse 14, where it says this, that he's purified himself for himself, a people that are his very own, a peculiar people, peculiar to him, special to him, 
eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. So we are his very own, eager to do what is good. Because we are his own. Because of what he's done. And what I want to talk about today is this idea of purpose and and meaning in life. And and purpose and meaning for our lives. For my life in specific. uh, Specifically. I I heard this song the other day. And I've I've been listening to it. and, And I got... I don't know if you do this when you like a song, you like listen to it like a hundred times in a row until you like get sick of it. But I, li- I listen to this song and, and it's a Switchfoot song and it's called uh, Live It Well. And, and uh, I, I've got the chorus up on the screen for you. Life is short. How many of you know this song? Some of you do. The, the young people over here do. Yeah. You old people over here do not. <laughs> Switchfoot. One life is short, I want to live it well. One life, one story to tell. Life is short, I want to live it well. And you're the one I'm living for. Awaken all my soul. That's just the chorus part of this song. You, you got to hear the song. It's a great song. But, but this idea here, you know, life is short, and, and what is my life going to be about? What is the purpose? What is the meaning for my life? This is, you know... Uh, an important question, but I like what, what he has in there. He says, and you're the one I'm living for. And, and, and who is he talking about there? I've capitalized it in the, in, the, in the lyrics. You don't see that capitalized, but I capitalize it because I know what he's, what he's referring to. He's referring to God, that he's living his life for God. So that's kind of really the question. It's one of these big questions, you know, what, what life is really all about. What, is it, what does it mean? What really matters in life? What's the purpose of life? Is there really pur- the purpose is just to get up, to you know get ready, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed, and then do it all over again the next day. Is that really is that is that like really worth it? Is that really like what the purpose of life is all about? Now I'm not saying to quit your job and stop doing all those things because we got to do those things. We got to do what we got to do, but. But there's got to be something deeper, right? There's got to be something more inside that, that, that gets us to get up every day and go do that thing. I think of, you know, Joshua, they had to go around the wall like, you know, oh, they got to get up again. They did it the next day. Get up again. Go around the wall again. They're saying, isn't this getting kind of boring? Isn't this getting kind of old? And then they had to do it like seven times the last time, right? But that's, that's the way God brought about his purposes, his purpose is for them. I read, I read some interesting stuff. Let me, let me quote to you from a guy talking about this, talking about the purpose of life. He says, why were you born? We all hope that our lives have meaning, though most are still searching for the purpose of life. What does God intend for us? Later, he says, somewhere in the back of our minds, we have a nagging feeling that there must be something more. There must be a purpose for our lives, something we were meant to accomplish. He says, knowing our purpose gives direction to our lives. A life full of purpose is a life of vitality, excitement, and ultimately success. So what is the purpose of life, of your life? It's a big question. Sometimes we, we have to stop and say, well, what, what is it all about? What is my life really all about? And, and is there some kind of purpose in my life? And, and who am or, or what am I living for? They said in that song, and you're the one I'm living for. I think, I think that phrase in itself kind of puts life together for us. Who or what are we living for? Now, God's heart as we've been looking at these verses here, I believe God's heart is that, number one, He would make us, our, make us His own. But in that, there's also this meaning and purpose for life that comes in and out of that, that we are His. He is ours. And that in, that in itself is, is, is enough to give us some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose in life. And, and, and so I want to talk about that there. This is kind of like I have two anchor verses for what I want to talk about today. 
This is the first one. This is the, the anchor here that, that we are his very own, that we are eager to do what is good. To do what is good. Uh, the old King James says, zealous for good works, right? And, and so we're, we're thinking about this idea of good works. Well, isn't that how I get to heaven? Isn't that what saves me? Isn't that what earns me a place in heaven? Uh, no. It's important, though. See, we can, we can go to the, to the other extreme where, where I am not saved by works, so it doesn't matter what I do. It only matters what Jesus did. That's true in one sense. But it's not the whole picture, is it? You see, being saved, being born again, uh, being His is only the beginning of an abundant life that He has for you and me to live. And that's why this guy said, if we know the purpose, if we know it gives direction to our lives, and it, it's a life of vitality, excitement, and ultimately success. So, I want you to turn back with me. That, this is the first anchor verse. We're going to come back to this in a minute. But turn back to the book of Galatians, excuse me, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. And this is my second anchor. I got two anchors. I love anchors. Remember I showed you the picture of the anchor of that house that, that, that uh, was like 10 times more than we could afford? But it was a nice anchor. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved. This is, a, again, referring back to the verse we have a, as our first anchor, Ephesians chapter 2. It is by, excuse me, Titus chapter 2. It is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by what? Not by works so that no one can boast. Not by works so that no one can boast. So we're saved by grace. This is where, where our salvation comes from. It's, it's through faith and trusting in what Jesus did. That is, that is uh, the foundation. It's all from grace. It all starts with gra the grace of God. This unmerited favor that he pours out upon us. So we could just stop there, right? But, but Paul doesn't stop there when he's writing these words inspired by the Holy Spirit. What does he say in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2? He says, For we are God's workmanship. I'm going slow here so you can follow what, I, follow what I'm getting at here. Created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me read that again. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're not saved by works. He says we're not, or we could boast. But God has created us to do, in Christ Jesus, to do good works. This is what we were made for. You see? It, it just begins by, by the salvation that He gives to us. By grace you've been saved. But it doesn't stop there. He has a purpose. He has a plan for your life, for my life, if we are one of His. I find that exciting. I find that scary. I find that hard to understand. I find that as clear as day. See, you know what I'm getting at? There's a lot involved in that. And what does that mean? And how does that fit into my life? What does that have to do with me getting up in the morning, going to work every single day? Notice, he says, though, that this is what we are created to do. This, this uh, other thing that I wanted to really talk about and I'm going to do it next week, is this idea, it says, for we are God's workmanship. And the, the word that's translated workmanship, it's translated in different ways, in different versions. One says, we are God's 
work of art. One says we are God's masterpiece. And the word is po poema, right? Where we get our English word poem, like a work of art, a, a beautiful poem. So I want to talk about that next week because I found that like incredibly exciting. Because, because God is doing something in us and, and He is wanting to do this. But, but we'll get back to that next week. But He says here, we are God's workmanship, but we're created for a purpose, for a reason. And what is it? It's to do these good works, which who prepared? Which God prepared. God had a plan. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. God has something for you. God has something for me. Can I borrow your, uh, your uh, four spiritual laws there? I, I didn't grab one. You all got one of these when you came in the door, right? This has been around for like, I don't know, 40, 50 years or something like that. I, I forget how long. And we're not going to look at this here, but, but the, the, the first thing he says here, here in, in, in lesson one, and really in every single one of them, he talks about this plan for your lives. He said, God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Did you know that? Oh, you know that he loves you. You've heard that. Yeah, God loves you. Jesus loves me this. I know you learned it from a little kid, for the Bible tells me so and all that. But God has a plan for your life. He doesn't just love you and leave you there. He doesn't just love you and, and leave you the way you are. You've heard that, you've heard that saying too. You know, God, God loves, <laughs> loves us so much that... Here you go. God loves us so much that that he saves us the way we are, but he loves us so much that he doesn't leave us that way. Right? Thank God for that. And that's, I think, part of that poema, that, that uh, masterpiece that he's building, that he's creating. But he has a plan for you. He has a wonderful plan for you. It, it starts with receiving Jesus Christ. It starts with having faith in him. It starts by being one of his, but it, 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 it just begins there and to, to know and to ask the question and even to talk to him about it, you personally, and this is, it, it, it's kind of a general, there's two ways to think about this. One is a very general plan, and then secondly, a very specific plan, meaning specific to you, to me personally. God has a lot of, you know, a lot of it's very general, in, in, in meaning that it applies to everyone, right? You know what I mean by that? What God has prepared in advance for us to do. In general, God's, you know, prepared good works, something that's good. He wants us to do good, right? He wants you and I to do good. He wants us to do the right thing. But, but I believe, and I think it's, Part of this excitement and the scariness of it is that it, it gets much more specific than that, that God has a purpose and a specific plan and a, and, and a, a calling on each person's life where he wants, to, he wants to direct you. He has something prepared in advance for you to do, for me to do, what, what my call is, what my, the gifts that he's given me to do, the, the gifts and the calling that he's given you specifically, individually to do. So that begs the question, of course, what has God prepared for your life? It says he's prepared them in advance. He knew ahead of time. You, you, you read about the prophet, you know, who says that God, God had a purpose for him before he was even born, right? I called you before you were even born. He had a, a purpose, and I think that that's true. I think it's true. God had a purpose in my life before I was even born. I didn't know it. Didn't mean I was saved before I was born. Didn't mean I was saved, you know, when I was already born, I was born saved. No, we, we have to make a decision to receive Jesus Christ and what he's done. But God had a purpose for my life. And, 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 it, and sometimes it's a long process of trying to figure out what has God prepared for your life, for my life. How do you know? How do you know what it is? Well... You wait for the email. 
right? He sends out the text message. You're just waiting for that phone to vibrate and that God's going to send me what, you know, what he's prepared for me to do. Oh, there it is. Is that, is that the way it works? We, we've kind of, you know, I think he does use technology, right? I think God does use technology. I love technology. You, you know how that goes. That's technology, right? That's, we're using technology. We've got lights on. We've got a sound system. We've got stuff going on here. We've got heat. There's a lot of technology that's happening. He can use that. Does he have to use that? No, absolutely not. But, but we can do it. In fact, I, I have this another idea. I get these ideas like, oh, I want to do. I want to show you. I'm going to do it. I don't know if it's next week or the week after. I want to show you some of these resources online that you can use to help your Bible uh, understanding and Bible study. The blue, I mentioned the blue letter, blue letter Bible. You remember I mentioned that? Anybody remember that? Anybody here? Anybody been here? Uh, I want to show you that and show you how to, how to access that and, 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 and use it. So technology is good. And maybe he, maybe he will send you an email. And, and, and I'm serious when I say that because maybe you get an email from somebody who has a scripture in it. Or maybe you have one of those uh, email devotionals and they email you a scripture every single day. I don't have one of those, but I know that those exist. And you get something that is like for you and God is speaking directly to your heart saying, this is what I want you to do. This is what I made you for. Or maybe it's one little piece of that puzzle. I read an illustration of, you know, if you look at one piece of the puzzle, right, you look at that one puzzle piece and you go like, what in the world is that? But as you, as you begin to get more puzzle pieces, you begin to put them together and, and you have the patience. It takes patience to put puzzles together, right? And then you begin to, and then it starts to like make sense. It starts to have meaning. It starts to have like a whole picture starts to come together, right? But that takes time. That takes the, putting the little pieces together. So, so for you and I, what has God prepared for you? What has God prepared for me in advance for, for us to do? How do you know? The first thing I think you need to is pray. You got to pray. And, and that's the scary part. Well, what if God tells me to... But if God asked me to do, I can't do it, so I'm not going to pray. And, and I understand the fear of it. Sometimes the fear comes before you even pray. Sometimes the fear comes after you pray. But fear is a, is a reality. But you know what? If you, if you never, I heard this, Chris gave me this illustration I wanna, I'm going to share that, that he heard yesterday at the men's conference where, uh, you know, the boat, it's very safe for the boat to stay in the harbor, Right? But that's not what the boat was made for. I like that. It's good. I actually remembered it. from That was like an hour ago. It's very safe to stay in the harbor, but that's not what the boat was made for. That's not what you and I were made for. What were we made for? He says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we need to ask God, if God did this, if God created us for a reason, we need to ask him, what is it that you have for me? Oh, I know, again, there's general things. He wants us to live right. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to live for him. We, he wants us to, you know, to, to you know, be in the word. He wants us to stay in fellowship. There's a, there's a bunch of general things that we all know, but, but I think it can get more exciting and more, more specific than that. But if we never ask, guess what? You have not because you ask not. So we pray and we ask and we seek. That's what the initials ASK stand for, right? Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, and knock. You ask him. Ask and it should be given to you. Seek and you shall 
fine, knock and the door will be open to you. A-S-K. We need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock on different doors. We need to try things out. We need to step out. You know, take the anchor. Uh, again, I guess you could say anchors are cool, but and they're, you know, if they're used properly, they're good. But if you always got that anchor down there, your boat's never going to get out of the harbor, right? Sometimes you've got to pull up the anchor and, and, and launch out to see, step out and to see and try different things, what, what possibly might work for you. I, that, I know that you know, in, in, in my life, that's what happened. I tried lots of different things. I went and did a lot of different things. I, I, I got different experiences, and through it, I began to see, well, this is kind of like where I feel like you know, God is, wants me to be involved. This is kind of how God is you know, putting me together. But had I never tried, I'd just stay home or I'd just sit there and never do a thing. Guess what? You're never going to find anything for your life. So when we had uh, David Guzik to our, uh, our huddle this year, and David Guzik, uh, he, he's awesome. Another resource, I'll throw it out there. Some of you already know about this. called Enduring Word. Enduring Word. Think about that. This is a... This is a commentary. David Guzik has a commentary on the whole Bible. You can go right there and you can look at and read a whole commentary. I'm going to show you that next time too, or when I get to that, to that module. Uh, so, but David Guzik said this. He said, you know what? There are two ways to serve. He said there is that accidental serving, and then there's intentional serving. And what he meant by that, what he explained was accidental means, you know, you, you just, you, show, you, you find yourself in this place and there's something that has to be done and you just do it. Or you, you know, you're with somebody, you're, you, you, you're with somebody on an airplane or, or in some place and, and God just uses you to do something and share something with that person. You never planned on going there, but he says that that's cool. And those are cool. That's awesome when that happens. But he said, everybody in the body of Christ needs to have an intentional place where this is where I intentionally am going to put some effort, some life into, my life into. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's in the church. It could be some kind of way of serving God outside the church in some sort of arena. It may be in the political arena. It may be in, in some kind of a, a service down, uh, you know, at, at the, the rescue mission or, or some other kind of area. It, it, it's like incredible the, the, the amount of opportunities that God has prepared in advance for a group even this size. I look around and see this number of people, and if I think if there's just one thing that God would ask you to do, how many things would get done? That, that, the potential is astounding. But again, it gets back to this thing. If we ask God, like, what it, where is it that you want me to try? And again, are you going to know it? Is he going to send you an email with it spelled exactly, exactly out? You know, uh, these are the steps that's going to happen. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Or if you ask the grandkid, it's A, B, R, S, T, Z, V. Right? But... But I have found, I have found that it, it doesn't work that way. I have found that it's one step. A. He doesn't tell you what B is. You might get an idea, but, but, but you've got to do step A. You're not, if, if you can't do one thing, how can you do many things? Because sometimes if he told you what step F was, you would say there is no way... And I'm not even going to do step A because it leads to step F. And step F is like completely, that freaks me completely out. Right? When I first became a believer, if I knew, if I knew then what I know now, I would have said, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to move to England. I'm going to move to New England. I'm going to pastor a church. I'm going to... Uh, you know, do these different things that I've been allowed to do, it's not going to happen. I'm just, it's, I'll just sit here. Just stay where I am. 
But let me tell you what I would have missed out on. The incredible, exciting things that I've been... And I'm only 41. (laughs) So all the things that I've been allowed to do in those short amount of time is absolutely incredible. I could... I could now just like hang it up and say, it's, I've done enough. It's exciting. It's been enough for me. But when we were at our huddle uh, this year, again, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but one of the things that stuck out to me is David did a study on Be Courageous. And I want to make copies of that because it is like the most phenomenal study that I've ever, that I've ever heard. And it hit me right like between the eyes and, you know, because kind of what I've been through, uh, you know, but there were like seven different scriptures where Jesus specifically said, uh, be courageous. And, and uh, the point that struck me is he says, be courageous. He says, he says out of the book of Acts, he says, you know, you've done well, but I have more for you to do. He was talking to Paul about that. You've done well, but I have more for you to do. I still want you to go speak in front of, and he was talking to Paul about his specific situation. That, you know, is it over? It's not over until what? Until it's over. I'm not going to repeat that. It's not over till it's over. And so for me, I, I'm saying, well, what is it? God, you have, you have more for me? Like, isn't, isn't it already enough? But, I, but there's some things in my life that I think God is like speaking to me about. And I'm saying, okay, okay, but I, I can't even, I can't understand that. I sort of do, but I sort of don't. Like how? Like I'm 101 years old now. Like, how's that going to happen? But then you read these scriptures about these, these guys, you know, in the scripture, like Abraham, right? He was 100 years old, and God still had a purpose for him. God still did something in his life. So maybe some of you are saying, you know what? That whole message is cool if you're like 14, but not if you're 41. It's too late. But is that true? Absolutely not. What are you going to do? Galatians talks about powerful, powerful scripture. He talks uh, in Galatians chapter 6, he says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Is that a calling? Is that a purpose in life to help carry someone else's burden? To help... Do you know anybody who has burdens in their lives? Just come to church. Just talk to anybody. Some of you come, I'm not talking to anybody, because they might tell me something bad in their life. Yeah, but, but you, that's an opportunity for you to help carry their burden. So you can go home, you can pray for them, you can think of them in the, the night when you wake up. i got to pray for them because they're carrying this burden. I'm going to help them carry that burden. That's powerful. That is so powerful. Man, I haven't even got to the message yet. What is going on here? Actually, I have. But thinking back, thinking back to that idea of, of zealous for good works in the King James and the, in the uh, NIV, eager to do what's good, this idea of being zealous, this idea of being eager, 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 eagle, eagle, e- <laughs> I better have a drink. My mouth's very dry. One more time. Just think about being eager to being zealous. That's an important word, to be zealous, to be eager. To do what's good. Some of you think, oh no. Now he's going to ask me to be a crazy, flipped out Jesus freak. 
he's going to call, you know, talk about me to be zealous. They had this, you know, the group of people they called the zealots, right? And that's what they were. They were zealous for their cause. But you know what? You and I need to have a little bit of zeal in our lives to follow after what God wants, to do what's good. Zealous to do these good works. Now, this is not something I believe that we can just kind of work it up. And, you know, you, you got the leader, the pastor, whoever, and he, you know, kind of works you up into like a big frenzy until you're like so excited that, you know, you're going to go out and do something. How long does that last? About five seconds. It's like gone before you even go out the door, right? You get, all, you get you all excited. You can't force it on somebody. It, it really, it, it has to come from within. It has to come from the Holy Spirit inside of you, inside of me. You know, where you get this excitement, it's like, wow, this is so exciting, that, that I want to do this, and I, you know, I've, it, it's not, you're not there 100% of the time, but like it, it's these moments, these times in your life where you get this, I got to, I got to do this. This is, God, God is doing something in me. I got to, I got to step out. I got to try. In Philippians, in fact, turn to, turn to Philippians chapter 2. That's just the next book, right? Philippians chapter 2. This all ties together. I don't know if you can follow the threads, but it all ties together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for your salvation. Work out your salvation. You're working out something that you have with fear and trembling. But look at verse 13. He says, for, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure, His good purpose. See, it's got to be God. It's got to be God working in us, working in me, in you to do these good works, to, to, to be eager to do what is good. If, if it's just something I'm trying to whip up myself, no. But if you... I, I tr- I, I truly believe and I, and, and I challenge you to get on your face before God and ask Him, what is, is your plan for my life? What, do you, what have you prepared for me? And I believe He'll, he'll begin to work that in you as he, as he sees that you're a willing vessel, as He sees that you and I want to do something according to His good purpose. He's going to work in you. He's going to work in me. I did a little study, and again, using the different tools that are so easily and uh, available for us. I read about Elijah, right? You all know who Elijah is. Like this. Kids say... Uh, can we be excused from the table? And I go like this. And they wait to see what my answer is going to be. It's like waffling. And finally I go, yeah, so they can know. I am crazy. Just get that, you know, figure that out already and let's move on from there. But Elijah, you know, he had this incredible victory up on Mount Carmel, Right? with the false prophets of Baal, and just incredible victory up there. And then one person threatened him. One gal threatened him, and he ran, and he went out to the wilderness. He got completely depressed. But this is what he said. Listen to this. He said to the Lord, he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. And he said, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's okay to be zealous. He was was zealous, but but he kind of got a little attitude. 
And again, kind of thinking about this idea of being zealous, we have to be careful too. Because you, you can get an attitude. You've got to be careful how you, how you put zeal into practice. This is one of the ways he says, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that has any zeal in this church. You know, no one else is doing anything. I'm the only person that's doing anything. And now they're trying to kill me too. Be careful. God said, you know what? I've got, I can't remember exactly how many. 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So, Elijah, enough. Give it up. Paul the Apostle, before his experience with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he had a lot of zeal, right? He says, I was zealous more than anybody, you know. But he realized after he came to know Jesus Christ that he was zealous, but he didn't, it was a zeal without knowledge. He didn't understand. You know, we can have a lot of zeal, but it's kind of important to have something to be zealous about, Right? Something that it's built upon, and, and, and that's where it gets back to the Word of God. That's where it gets, gets back to having this relationship with God that's, that's got some foundations. That's got something that's built upon, not just how I feel. We can, again, get, get all stirred up and get all this emotion going, and, and, but if it's not built on a solid foundation of Jesus and, and the Word of God, it, it's pretty much useless, a lot, a lot of hot air. He said in Galatians, it's fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good. We need a little zeal, but we have to be careful too. Someone said this, zealous, eager, passionate to please the Father. Zealous, eager, passionate to please the Father by extending His goodness to others. Zealous, of good works. What's good? Something that's good. What's beautiful? What's good in nature? What's good in character? This is what he's calling us to do. Again, it can be very general. Jesus, they came to Jesus and this is what they said to him. What must we do to do the works that God requires? What, what should I do? What am I supposed to do? And, and maybe that's a good question. That's what we're asking. And if you could ask Jesus that specifically. And his answer at that particular time was this. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. That's general, right? That's that's for every one of us. That's what he wants us to do. That's where it starts for us to believe in the one that he sent, who is Jesus, to believe in him. Matthew chapter 5, he said, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, your good works, and praise your Father in heaven. It's being a light wherever you are, whoever you are. But then I think about specifically in the book of Acts, chapter 13, there was a guy named Barnabas. And Barnabas had this gift of encouragement. He was called the son of encouragement. He had this gift of encouragement, and, and he went and found a guy named Saul, right? Y'all know who Saul is? Saul is Paul. But he went and got him and he brought him and, and he kind of helped him along. And then Saul ended up being the leader. But in, in Acts chapter 13, it says, While they were worshiping the church there, were together, they were worshiping the Lord, they were fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And so began the first, what's called the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, of Paul 
specifically Barnabas wasn't on all the journeys. That's very specific, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the general means that God has called us to do good and to do the right thing, but then it, it becomes more specific. He had a specific plan for Barnabas and Saul. He, he spoke, the Holy Spirit spoke, and he said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. That's very specific. They got behind them. They placed their hands on them. They prayed for them, and they sent them out. James talks about works, good deeds, and he says that they should be done in humility. See, pride is a, a dangerous thing. We're not saved by works, he says, so that no one can what? Boast, because we get proud about it. But then he goes on to say that, you know, but we're created to do good works, but there's always that thing that, you know, this, uh, you know, taking credit and pride coming. And he says we need to be doing these things in humility. The Pharisees, they did, Jesus said, everything that they did was what? For men to see. Some of the things you and I are called to do, it isn't, it isn't what people may never see it. It doesn't mean you need to get up on a platform and, and play guitar or whatever. Someone may never, they may never see what you do. But it also says in Luke that the Pharisees, they had rejected God's purpose for them. They rejected what God had called them to do. And I'm running out of time here. I've really gone off. So let's, let's, let's look at Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to have to close there. And... Uh, somehow tie the rest of this together with Ephesians 2.10, God's workmanship. Galatians 6, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. He says, let us not become weary. In what? Doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You say, well, you know, I've, I, I kind of know what God's called me to do, but you know what, I'm getting tired, I'm getting weary. But he says at the proper time you're going to reap a harvest and don't give up. We need to persist and persevere. Just because you have found perhaps what God wants you to do, what His purpose for your life is, or specific different things, it takes perseverance too. You can't just stop. Well, it didn't work. You try it once, it didn't work. You need to persevere. It gets hard sometimes, doesn't it? So get, let's get back to the beginning here. I'm going to Go ahead here, this purpose for our lives. What or who are we living for? Is it for ourselves? Is it for money? Is it for things? Or is it for the one whose we are? The one who has given his life so that I could be his very own. Is that who I'm living for? Is that what my purpose is? What's God wanting to do in your life? What's God wanting to do specifically? Is there a specific that you know about? If you don't know of any specific, then my feeling is that you probably have not prayed about it. Maybe you prayed once. But I believe that it's an exciting life to follow. Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in my life and in your life. And one day we're going to stand before him. We'll talk about that next time. We're going to stand before him and it's all going to kind of be played out. Again, not to be saved, but it doesn't mean that it's not still all going to be looked at. Life is short. I want to live it well. Let's pray. 
Father God, I just lay all this before you. It's uh, there's so much here, and I don't know if it's been clear or not. And maybe we're just scratching the surface, but I think that you have a plan. You have a wonderful plan. You love us, and you have a wonderful plan for us, for our lives, both generally and also specifically, to do good. I pray that you'd work in us, that that, that, that zeal, that you would work in us to, to bring some excitement in our lives, that, that it, there is some meaning in it. Even meaning in that mundane job that I go to every day. That school that I go to. That place that I hang out. That you have some purpose in it, some meaning in it. And you can use it for your glory. For your honor. As we glorify you with our lives, with our bodies. Because we are not our own. We are yours. We are bought with a price. Father, I pray that, that you'd cause an explosion of purpose in this body, in this fellowship. That as we humble ourselves and we call out to you, we cry out to you and say, God, show me. I'm scared, maybe, but show me. Lead me. Show me step one or step 25, whichever one it is that you're at. It's not over till it's over. And help us. Give us the strength. Give us the understanding, the humility, the patience, the perseverance that we need. Father, I pray too as we close uh, that decision we heard about in that last song we sang, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Perhaps there's someone here today, Lord, that you know each and every heart, you know each and every uh, mind, that there's someone here who's never said, I, I've decided, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe if that's you, you can simply right here, right now, say, I, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want purpose and meaning in my life. I want it to begin today. And so you can pray. It's only a prayer way to pray and, and say, Dear Jesus, I call out to you today. I believe in you as my Lord and as my Savior. I receive you into my heart and into my life. Save me. Forgive me today here. Father, hear our cry. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, let's stand and sing together, shall we?